You're listening to a podcast from 702. Now, coming up this hour, we have a masterclass because it is a Wednesday, which means we take an opportunity to really delve into the heart of a particular subject. And today we are talking about the piano, that beautiful, beautiful industry. But maybe there's some things you actually don't know about this brilliant instrument, not because you haven't played it, but because you actually haven't delved into what it's all about. So we're joined today by two individuals that will be chatting to us. And I'm so excited for this conversation. Give us a call, SMS, tweet and WhatsApp. Maybe you have a piano in your house. You're not actually playing it because some people love to have it as decor. Or maybe you played when you were younger and you have this deep desire to come back to that instrument. This conversation is for you. If you think Amapiano is part of... The, this is not the conversation. Yeah, Amapiano. This is not it. Which, ironically, Amapiano does not have the piano in that genre of music. But looking forward to taking your calls, your SMSs, your tweets, and your WhatsApps. 702. Masterclass. Our masterclass for today is on the piano. We've got Raymond Gugnolio, who is owner of The Piano Man, joining us in studio. And we also have with us Odin Mayer, who is a lead technician and we're going to find out all about what it is that they do but i want us to take a moment to start off with with our guests sort of chatting about you know when they were introduced and i'll start with you raymond you know you being the owner of the piano man when were you first introduced to this instrument when I was four years old, mm. uh, my mother was a very good pianist and uh, said, you've got to play the piano. And that's how it started. We, we just had Randall Abrams in studio on Friday and he actually was saying his mom was a cl- classical pianist and that's how he got to play. So maybe it does help just having the instrument in the home if you want to encourage the kids to get involved. So your mom was a pianist and you started to learn and most people obviously that learn the piano it's either that they're going to be playing by ear or they're going the classical route what route did you go on i went the classical route all the exams all the uh, stared fits until i was up to my ears <laughs> and said uh, enough thank you <laughs> You are so over it. Listen, it's very, very stressful. Um, people, you know, some people have this um, idea in their minds that, but if you're born with the talent, it must be easy. But particularly with classical music, there are strict rules that you need to abide by. You're reading your shoot, sheet music and it actually gives you instructions on how to play. You don't just play necessarily how you feel with classical music. Absolutely. And that, that is perhaps part of the problem with classical music in some instances, though it's fantastic. Uh, Odin loves classical music, um, but it is very strict. You have to follow what it says and interpret what that music page is saying. Yes. Whereas um, other music is just by feel and emotion. Yes. And this is what you, and you learn the chords and you learn the scales and you just go for it. You know? And it's only after uh, leaving school and studying that I actually started to play the piano just to play For it. the love of it. Yes. Not, not like having to sit and do the scales over and over and over again. <laughs> and on your side, Odin, I mean, when were you first introduced to the piano? Um, I was probably five six years old my great-grandmother um was a great pianist she played actually for silent movies oh wow so um since a young age she constantly played i mean she would play you know 
even up until midnight, you know, sitting there in the dark, um, not seeing the keys or anything. And uh, she would uh, always tell us that uh, she sees the music in her mind, you mm. know, in her mind's eye. Um, so, yeah, I always enjoyed um, classical music, but I never really went for much formal training. I went for a couple of um, classes. Um, but uh, other than that, I actually did a lot of self-study. I got a lot of uh, different books and uh, decided one day that I'm going to, despite what everybody is saying, uh, going to make music a part of my life. And then mm. I started studying how to actually read music and mm. um, play it. But before then, because I have a very good memory, I would watch people play and kind of replicate and listen to what they're playing and then figure it out myself. Mm, mm. So um, I always had a good ear due to the stimulation and everything. And then, um, yeah, I just kept on going. I enjoy classical music very much. Um, and yes, what you're saying about classical music having strict rules, absolutely true. Although because um, I listen to a lot of different concert pianists, mm. um, I have found that although they follow the rules closely, they bend some of them. Which, which it really must be the it must be done that way because at the end of the day, art is about interpretation. And if you are sitting, you know, watching ten different pianists playing a Bach piece, it will never all be exactly the same. No. Literally from the tempo. To you know the di dynamics, the dynamics, and maybe maybe share with us. I mean, I I did have a bit of studying of music, so I don't want us to get lost in lingo that the listeners don't understand. What do you mean by dynamics? Loud and soft. Mm. And so it's the simplest way of putting it. Mm. Uh, and interestingly enough, the piano was actually named after the Latin terms loud, loud and soft, which is forte piano. That's correct. Forte being loud, piano being piano being soft, and then it became the piano. So, do you know when the piano was actually invented? In the 1600s. <laughs> the keyboard instruments were invented in the 1600s. The first yeah. piano was made by a harpsichord maker mm. called Alberto Costafori, and uh, he made that in about 1709. Mm. Wallace, that's the first actual piano but was very different from the modern day piano and i mean maybe we can explain the physicality of the instrument often when you speak of instruments you have your wind instruments which are the ones you need to blow into but the piano is interesting because it's not just a string instrument it's also percussive yes explain to us how that is the case um so yeah um bartolomeo christofri um he uh, had an idea that one day by listening to violinists and opera singers, he wanted to create a instrument that um, played with a keyboard, like a harpsichord or clavichord, but um, he wanted the ability to also express himself, you know, with loud and soft. Um, so he eventually came um, with the idea of taking a, a little wooden block and covering it with um, buckskin yes. in order to create the very first hammer. Um, and so basically it's a little hammer, even today it's a little hammer, although <laughs> very much developed from where it was originally, um, that is actually striking and exciting the strings. Mm. You know, So it is a string instrument, but yes, it is percussive because it is um, striking the actual strings. Yes, yes. So, I mean, when we talk about your standard piano, your 88 keys, um, so for for anybody who you know, doesn't understand what we mean by that is that you have your black and your white 
keys, which each of them are banging a string with in the the instrument. And some are banging more than one string. Yes, at a time. And I'm going to get into that because I find it so fascinating about why that needs to be the case. So now when we talk about the the keys and the fact that you've got, you know, eight different octaves, though you do get pianos that have 108 keys, which I only discovered today. <laughs> because I was reading about, I was like, "What?" You know, and it's it's so fascinating. Would you say that really does make it the most versatile instrument, or would you say the guitar maybe is a close second? No, I think there's nothing that beats the piano. <gasps> You're so biased. <laughs> <laughs> why why is it that there's nothing that beats the piano, especially for the parents? that are listening, that are thinking about what instruments to introduce their child to, not just because they might be a musician and they're trying to live out their fantasies through their kid, but because it's got so many benefits just in terms of developing their mind. Yes, developing their mind, also the ability to create so many different sound effects on on a piano, loud, soft, uh, fast, slow. It also helps with um, your dexterity. dexterity. Um, so the, the hand-eye coordination, hand-eye coordination, yes. absolutely everything, you know. So and your ear, your ears got to listen to to what you're actually seeing, and is that what is being interpreted in your hands? And then your feet are also involved with the pedals. So it's a very good instrument to start with. You're not necessarily um, the final instrument that you might play, but to start with, a piano is an excellent instrument. And I mean, today we, yes, technology means that now you can buy digital keyboards, but we're speaking specifically about acoustic. Yes, an acoustic piano. So talk to us about what you were uh, mentioning about the strings at the back. Okay, so a piano has how many strings? Let's hear. No one answering yet. (laughs) (laughs) Odin is the one that should tell us. He's the master. I'm assuming 200 and something because some do two ah, or three at a time. Good for you, Lebo. Yes, ah. yeah. Well done. Yeah, so it's anything from, uh, it's plus minus 220 or 230. And sometimes it can be even more, like you say, you uh, saw now that there is a piano with 108 keys. So that's significantly, significantly more strings yes. to tune. Um, but yeah, um, this is actually quite interesting. Because of the amount of strings, how much string tension do you think is currently in a piano? Let's just take a normal upright piano. Your standard. How, how do you measure tension? So it, As in pulling force? Yes. yes. I, I would have, I don't even know what the measurement is, so I would have no idea. But if I were to guess, I'd say two rugby teams pulling a rope together. Well, we can measure it in tons. There we go, in tons, okay. Yeah, so it's anywhere from um, about 15 to 17 tons wow. uh, roughly, you know, so you can imagine uh, an 80 kilogram man hanging on each and every string. Yes, yes, know? yes. And I mean, that's magnificent and most people would not have a moment to be able to appreciate that because they are dealing with just touching the keys, but all the magic is happening inside of the instrument. Talking about that, yes. how many parts do you think there are for one note to strike and make a noise? How many parts are involved in an upright piano? As in you press one note, as in how many things need to happen? Yes. I, um, I would guess something around 10. 50. Wow. 50 different parts just to make one note work. Wow. So you times that by 88 and you get to nearly 5,000 parts in a piano. Mm. This is why it's actually quite technical to actually work and repair mm. pianos. So 
before we get onto you know the technical parts and the insides what are the different pianos that are available? I mean, Ofe, I was chatting to you about the fact that I got a short little spinet. Spin, yeah, spinet at home. And I think we've only got 80 keys on. It's less an octave, um, but it's cute. And the person who came to tune it was just explaining to us that firstly, it had to settle for two weeks after being moved. And then they explained that you can't actually tune it all at one go because... Why, why is that the case? Okay, because a piano is affected, first of all, it's natural material. It's wood, it's felt, it's leather. So those react to the climate or the air around you. And movement. And movement. So mm. then humidity and temperature. So each room that you go into, the temperature might be slightly different. The humidity varies. Mm. We've had an unusual experience this year. We've had so much rain in Gauteng. That that's affected all the pianos. Wow. All the pianos have actually gone sharp instead of go, usually going flat because of the humidity in the air. So all those affect the piano. So when a piano has been moved, yes, you want it to stand for a while before you actually tune it so that it can get used to its, be acclimatized to its new environment. So why is it that you can't tune it all at one go? Is it that, it, you know, the strings are at risk of breaking because you might be um, putting too much tension at one time? That, that could be it. Also, it could be that you want to get the piano almost perfect the first time, but the strings are going to stretch and move slightly. Mm. So only in the second tuning, then you're able to do what you call a fine fine tuning. Mm -mm. So from your side, I mean, what are some of, um, Odin, the, the, the challenges that you find when you do have to go in and check out people's pianos other than pianos going sharp because of the humidity what are the common things like sometimes you get sticky keys uh, i remember at school go. there'd be these old pianos and there's that one thing that when you are it just won't <laughs> well so um common things that you find would be you know um especially with the older pianos you find parts that you don't see in every single piano. You know, you find little brass plates that break easily. You mm -hmm. hardly touch them, and you, I mean, you sneeze in their direction and they break. <laughs> um, or you find um, uh, uh, very worn-out hammers. You know, um, what I like to call trident hammers, because the strings have depressed so much inside the hammer that it looks like a little trident. Mm. I mean, and and. You know, these are usually people that are really good pianists, but they don't necessarily always take care of their piano mm. or didn't actually know how to um, take care of their piano and everything um, besides tuning it. So uh, that would be some of the things. And then obviously dirt and dust. Uh, I mean, the oldest piano I've worked on was 1861. And trust me, when you open that piano, um, you kind of taste the history. Wow. <laughs> that sounds so gross, saying that you taste the history. Able to come back to why, why sticky notes in particular. Yes. Mm. That is because where the flanges, in other words, where the hammer it pivots, there's a little pin surrounded by some felt. Mm. And what happens with the humidity that swells up slightly and it makes it stiff. So then that hammer doesn't want to move. Or there are more than one flanges, but that could be one particular flange. So it's usually one of the flanges, or even on the keys. The keys have also got felt where they move up and down. And sometimes that also swells. And then you press the key, and the key doesn't want to come back on its own because that felt has swelled. Mm. Yes, or a common thing that I've found as well, 
then uh, a client would call you out to um, uh, fix a sticky key. And uh, a common thing in piano lessons is for uh, a piano teacher to put a coin on top of a student's hand in order to um, create proper form in your hands. Mm. And a lot of times I've found that the, coins. the coin causes the, the, the note to stick. And it's, it's quite funny. I actually thought you were going to say people, you know, having fizzy drinks by the piano, which is just a terrible idea. Oh, why are you dying, Odin? Is, has it happened? So mm-hmm. there was uh, one call I remember distinctly about a year and a half ago. A woman calls. She has a, um, a baby grand piano, a Yamaha, um, and uh, her child had spilled some orange juice um, inside the piano by accident. And uh, it caused about fifteen to 18,000 rand uh, worth of damage. Wow. Yeah. And um, it's 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 a common thing to happen every now and then um, for the people that that don't you know look out for these things. Yes. But you know, um, pianos are such finicky and sensitive um, instruments. You know, that's why it takes so long to actually learn how to um, work with them, um, because the slightest change in humidity will change um, how the piano tunes and how the piano sounds. Even mm. you know. Um, Humidity getting into the felt will change the dense mm. or the, the, the sound of the hammer, the produced tone, basically. You know, so there's so many little technical difficulties that come in with being a technician. So, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, how we've evolved in becoming cooler with our instruments. And there's a trend which, I mean, it's so beautiful where people will have a perspex grand. I mean, it just looks phenomenal because you literally can see the insides. Now, what does that do to the sound if if a piano is usually, you know, made out of wood? Mm, well, yeah, I think, Raymond, you, you would be able to better answer this one. Mm. Look, it does, does change it slightly because wood resonates at different to, to glass or perspex. You know? So if the soundboard is still a wooden soundboard, that would help to create sort of a normal sound. Mm-hmm. However, they are experiencing these days with, with different materials, carbon fiber. They're making carbon fiber uh, soundboards today mm-hmm. so you, um, and carbon fiber parts in a piano. So all these are affecting the piano, and maybe it's good that the piano needs to evolve. It's been the same for about 250, 300-odd years, nearly now, uh, and it, it, it's good. I think um, any instrument that's perhaps... Um, and though violins have also been that, for, but you get electronic violins, electric mm. violins as well today. Mm. So I think that's a great development in the piano industry, and it'd be interesting to see where we go with that. Yeah, so there's actually one more thing that um, uh, you know that's important to mention. So um, manufacturers like Steinway, for instance, now you know where you have the soundboard, just the outside cabinet, basically we call that the rim. Mm. So for Steinway, the inner rim that's closest to the soundboard is cre- uh, or is made out of maple wood, mm. which is a very hard wood. And the reason they do that, for instance. Um, is to project the sound more for concert hall and such. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were to take a Bursendorfer, um, their ins- uh, ins- inner uh, rim is usually of spruce, which is more um, prone to resonate. So it changes the tone and the quality of the the um, projection of sound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, um, Raymond, on your side, the different types of pianos, 
We've already mentioned Baby Grand. We've mentioned Grand. You've got your upright. What are the pianos that maybe we don't really know much about and they aren't that common or out there, but they're still in existence? You get things like a ship's piano, uh, which is made specifically for ships, and it's usually a cast, uh, a frame, a metal frame, uh, out on the outside because with the ship moving, it can bump around and move mm. and so on. Yeah, I uh, had no idea. So the only difference is that it's it's metal. Yes, the fr- outside rim is yes. is, me- is metal. You know, but uh, some that I've listened to, the sound is not again because it's metal. It's not as great as a normal wooden piano. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you also get pianos that are a combination of what we call in Afrikaans a trap oral and a piano. So it's a pump organ and, and a piano in one. You know? mm. uh, and then, of course, you get the player pianos, which in the old days used to work on rolls. Again, it was a pump organ with a roll of paper with holes in yes. that would play on its own. Today we Sounds like a music box. Something like that, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Today we do that electronically. So, Okay, and then um, you've mentioned those uh, specific pianos. At some point, pianos were actually all made with ivory. Yes, up to about the 1980s, uh, piano keys. Yes, the were, keys. Yes, were, were ivory, but of course ivory has now been banned. So all since then are, are made of plastic. Uh, and if you have a piano and you want to emigrate, be very careful. You must get a CITE certificate uh, to show that that piano was made before 1980 if it's ivory, or else take the ivories off and put plastic on. You know. So, I mean... If you do, though, have an old piano and it has ivory, why is it an issue to travel with it? Because it was you had it when it wasn't illegal. It's because of the um, that ivory has been banned. Yes. And so any country won't just accept the piano that's got ivory, and they'll scrap. They won't let you take it out of customs. Wow! I had absolutely no idea. And then quickly, maybe share with us what is the difference? Because there are many instruments that seem to incorporate the keys of the piano we've got an organ you've got i think an accordion so what is the the relationship between the piano and those instruments and which are the ones that came first now you got me how do i answer that <laughs> <laughs> let's start let's start with the organ we'll come back to the accordion after the news let's start with the organ yeah look um you you'd actually have to invite a, an, an organ technician um for that one <laughs> <laughs> even more rare than our profession <laughs> But so, no. but there's no similarities. You can't go in and touch an organ because they're nowhere near the same. It's just that it's got the levels of the keys. No, uh, no. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's the it's same scale. Yes. 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 But but other than that, the technique and so on is is different to play it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the original organs were so heavy on the keys that the organ players were actually called organ beaters because wow. it would look like they're smashing the keys. <laughs> you know, I think that was a very stressful. Um, uh, instrument to play at a stage mm. and then a harpsichord was so light and uh, it touches very light uh, so yeah so the, the only similarity is that that the the keys or the scaling is the same mm. but besides that no i wouldn't say all right don't call raymond and odin for any of your non-piano instruments even though they look similar or the same we continue with this master class on the piano not ama piano on the piano and we'll be taking your calls your sms's your tweets and your whatsapps any of the questions that you have for us it's 2 30. 
The sounds of Beethoven, Ferrelise. That is just an absolute classic that every single person knows. And we're playing that just in honor of today, talking about the piano in our masterclass on the beautiful instrument that is the piano. And maybe you haven't taken the time to actually listen to some of the things that we're talking about, but you can hear those warm tones, that acoustic sound. It's so natural and beautiful. Uh, what Raymond was speaking about, about the dynamics, the loud the soft, the slowing down, the picking up the pace. It really, really is an incredible art. And we do get to experience it in the form of classical music, though this instrument really has been done justice by singer-songwriters like John Legend, people like Alicia Keys, who um, I would say are more purists by sitting at actual pianos. You've got Adele, who's a singer, who really can have a world hit by just singing with the piano. So for me, I think I really wanted to just take a moment to just honor this instrument, which so many of us experience in our lives, but maybe don't take uh, the time to appreciate. I'm in studio with Raymond Gugnolio, who is the owner of the Piano Man, as well as Odin Mayer, who is a lead or senior, or I say master technician at the instrument. So we were speaking earlier about the different types of pianos that you get and the fact that there was ivory. Maybe share with us, and you did speak as well about when you get a call out, um, some of the challenges that you have faced. Are there any modifications that you're seeing people make to their instruments to try and do something interesting with them? Because, you know, those that play them are artists and sometimes they want to be experimental and maybe they don't want to do it on a keyboard, but they're like, let me see what I can do with my piano. Okay, probably the most famous group who has really experimented this uh, in this age is the guys. Um, they call themselves the piano guys, and and they've actually had five or six guys actually playing on one piano, doing different things, putting things on the strings and so on. And so one of the things that other people do is to put things on the strings. Uh, us as technicians don't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. You're uh, like, no, don't hurt it. <laughs> I had uh, in, in Maputo once, um, there was a, a Steinway piano there that I had to come and tune. And uh, they phoned me and said, all, all the strings are breaking. And, and I couldn't understand it. So I went there and said, well, what happened? No, well, I had this artist there and she threw salt into the piano. And of course... What? <laughs> so, Why? <laughs> so all the strings started to corrode and rust and, and break. You know? So yes, um, some people tried to put other types of strings on pianos, but it doesn't come up to the same tension, so the sound is also not the same. So those are some of the things that I've heard about. But I would like to interject here for a sort mm. for a moment and ask Odin to tell you a story about Mr. Beethoven. We've just listened to Firelees and uh, the piano company, the Broadwood Company. So be- before you jump there on the modifications, one musician, famously Jamie Cullum, he likes to open the grand and actually bang the strings directly with his own hand that would probably drive you nuts. But what I absolutely love about some of the things that he does, I mean, he literally uses the piano as a percussive instrument. He'll walk around it. It's part of his showmanship. I don't know anyone who can look into a piano and know exactly what note he's banging, but he knows exactly what he's doing. Is that respect- respectable or you still cringe when you see that happening? Look, it is respectable, but for us technicians, we know uh, when we get back to that piano, we're going to have to do a lot of work to get it back. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, what's the story on Beethoven? So, um, you know, I feel very fortunate actually to um, have been able to learn this, you know, uh, piece of history because I feel it's actually lost to most of the world. I haven't mm. heard anybody else know this story yet and, unless they're a technician. And um, 
So during the time of Beethoven and everything, there was an English um, a piano manufacturer called John Broadwood. Um, and they, I believe, started in uh, 1726, 1728. They're still one of the oldest um, manufacturers of pianos. That exists. Yes. Yeah, that still exists, mm -hmm. yes. Um, so there was a, a huge difference between Viennese pianos and uh, English pianos. English pianos were more powerful um, and strong um, in terms of tone and everything. Uh, if you were to think about Haydn, for instance, mm. you know, it's a lot more powerful music. Whereas if you compare it to Mozart, everything is light, fairy, very quick runs on the scales mm. and such. So um, that gives you kind of an idea of what the difference was between those two countries and their pianos. So John Broadwood then one day, he adored Beethoven, but he found out that Beethoven did not own his own piano. <gasps> what? Yes. How? Musicians were poor in those days. I don't know if it's changed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, remember there's that little pocket on your jean, you know, they say... It, it, <laughs> it's for your salary. <laughs> that little square pocket that sits in the pocket is for your salary. Um, <laughs> But anyways, back to the story. So, um, so John Broadwood uh, hears this and he tells um, his workshop, listen, build me the biggest, strongest, um, loudest grand piano that we have, concert grand piano that we have. And without letting the public know, without letting anybody else know besides his own company, he kept it so quiet. They took this piano by horse carriage for months over the mountains all the way to Beethoven's summer cottage so that his favorite composer of the time could have his own piano. And it was on that piano that he composed some of the greatest pieces wow. that we know, you know, uh, close to the end of his life. You know, The Tempest, for instance, was written on that piano. Mm. And I mean, just to think, you know, it's it's actually such a beautiful story. It's it's one of those, you know, it warms your heart just to think yes. about it. But it's it's one of those things that you don't hear every day. Mm -hmm. I think that's an absolutely stunning story. We are going to uh, be taking your calls on O double one double eight three zero seven zero two and your WhatsApp line O seven two seven zero two one seven zero two. Any question you have about the piano or even piano playing, give us a call. We have Tyendron in Midrand. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? Hi, Tayendran. Very well, thanks. thanks. Hi, thanks for the show. Thanks for the insight. It's, you know, it's actually fortuitous. About a week ago, I was thinking about buying a piano, and then I drive into the car to pick up my son, and this is what's playing on the radio. So I think this is the universe telling me I need to buy a piano. There you and go. <laughs> so what is and your question? My question. Yeah. I wanted to find out, with digital pianos and electric keyboards and all of these things, as a beginner, compete novice or complete nothing no nothing about pianos what would be your suggestion on purchasing a digital keyboard to learn the piano that you know potentially can be connected into an ipad or a device that can help you learn the piano a lot easier thanks for that question it's, it's a very good question and times are changing many people find it's easier to buy electronic instruments than acoustic piano but what you must be very careful of is the touch. So some keyboards do not have the touch of a piano. So the very minimum you must, you must go for is one that has a, a digital piano touch. And that's where the keys are weighted keys and it feels just like the piano. Uh, and of course we are biased. Uh, you are purists. Yeah, we, <laughs> we would love you to buy an acoustic piano. 
but uh, second best would be a digital piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, Tyendran, just in terms of, um, are you going to be taking him to lessons or what do you have in mind? Well, that's the thing. Instead of taking him to lessons, I want to learn the piano and then teach it to him. Oh. Uh, so he'll probably, he'll probably end up going for lessons and, and at the speed at which kids these days learn, he'll, he'll outgrow my skills on the piano a lot quicker. But uh, this is something that I want to do with him. Mm, that's beautiful. That's absolutely I hope that beautiful. comes to reality for him. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Tyendron in Midrand. Um, have you found that learner, I mean, and, and maybe share with us that people need to be looking at certain pianos if they just want to be learning and maybe when they get to a certain level, they can go the grand route or it doesn't actually matter. It does matter. Mm. I mean, that's why you see concert pianists are always playing on a grand piano. Because the grand piano, really, you can get so much more out of than an upright. But in terms of upright pianos, a lot of people look at a piano, they say, oh, this looks lovely. And they see the outside, and they think that's a good piano. And you have to be very careful. We always suggest rather get a piano tuner, a technician, to have a look at that piano, because once you open it up inside, you might find you having to spend the fortune Mm. to get it playable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there there is actually one case in particular I'm thinking of um, where the client had their piano in storage, but not for long. It was like about a year or something. Mm. And uh, they asked me just to do an evaluation on the piano. Everything was fine last time. And as soon as I opened it up, all I could smell was rat. Oh, no. And uh. the hammers were eaten. Uh. Some of the keys were eaten. I mean, it was it was. Bad. I'm so it sorry, was... guys. I have a fear of rats. I, like my skin is crawling. <laughs> but, but I just I just have to tell you, it was extremely beautiful on the outside. But the inside. <laughs> yes, I actually also got called to a client once. We had a, a good pianist and they were a grand piano, and they said, "Please, please come. We think we got rats in the piano." And opened up the piano. It was a grand piano, and there was mommy rat sitting there and six little babies. <gasps> I'm sorry. I just, I'm sure there's a reason God brought them here, but I can't. It's just the, ah, I just couldn't, like, my skin is crawling just thinking about it. I didn't know that they can gnaw at the strings. Not oh. the strings so much, but all the felts. Mm, mm. Felts right. on the wood. We need to take a quick break. We take your calls, 011-883-0702, the WhatsApp line, 0727021702. Carolyn Foyes, I see you. We'll be back in a moment. Masterclass. In our piano masterclass today, we're speaking to Raymond Gugnolio, who is owner of the Piano Man and Odin Mayer Master Technician. And we are talking all about the piano. Before we get into the details of tuning of piano, we have Carol in Foyes. Hi, Carol. Hi there. Hello. Hello. Um, I, I just wanted to know if you have ever seen an old Gauze and Kalman piano, which I have that used to belong to my grandmother. Yes, we've seen plenty of Gauze and Kalmans, quite a well-known... It's old. It's, it's, um, you know, I'm 83, so it belonged to her. And um, I desperately need it sort of looked over and touched and tuned. Um, where, where do you, where do we find you? We will definitely make sure we share the guest details for everybody asking because I also see on the WhatsApp line somebody is saying, this is Roland in Ellen's Park saying, I have a collard and collard piano. Um, please, it needs repairs and tuning. So let's jump into that and thank you, Carol, in four ways for your call. Let's talk about tuning. How, how does it work? Where do you even begin? It's very easy. In South Africa, you have to be blind. <laughs> Tell or, us why. Or, 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 or else. Um, you buy a tuning lever 
and you go to Google and Google tells you everything, then you're a piano tuner. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now in South Africa, the only formal place where people could learn was at Wellington and the, the school in the Cape. So at one stage, nearly 95% of the tuners in this country were blind. But you don't have to be blind. And I wouldn't suggest that you buy a tuning lever and go to Google. And, uh, and speaking of, I mean, um, the interesting thing about that, the person who tuned my piano um, is blind with over 55 years of experience of tuning, but something happens to the hearing that just makes them, not to say better equipped, but puts them in a prime position to actually have their ear tuned a lot better. So speaking of that, how good does your ear have to be to be a tuner? Do you have relative or perfect pitch? No. Yeah, I, uh, I would say everything is, is um, relative pitch, although I have heard of some tuners having perfect pitch. Um, but I don't think that it it assists you any way because I've tested clients that have perfect pitch and you can offset a note by 10% even and they wouldn't know. They really? Would, yes, yeah, it's quite, quite, quite fascinating. They would recognize that as an A or a B, but they don't realize that it's probably not perfect on pitch. Yes, yes, yes. 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 So, I mean, when it comes to tuning, <clears throat> we're listening to completely um, a completely different relationship. You know, um, uh, if you talk about music theory, you know, you hear about intervals, you know, um, octaves, thirds and fifths. Um, as a musician, you learn what the sound is of a fifth and a fourth and mm. so on and so forth. Um, but they don't listen deeper and we actually listen deeper. So it actually takes us a while to listen to something we call beats, um, which is actually um, two frequencies that are very close together, mm. so close together that they actually cause a beat. So for an example, if you were to take a string um, or a, a, just a, a sine wave of 100 hertz, okay, and then you were to put it right next to 102 hertz, mm. you would actually hear the resultant frequency or the difference between the two, which is two hertz. So you would hear two beats a second. Mm. You would hear that wow, 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 so yes. on and so forth. So we actually listen to that um, in relation to the actual interval. So each interval has a different beat rate, as we call it. Um, when it comes to tuning, we tune in reference to one note. And today, um, the most common standard um, is A440. So A above middle C is tuned to 440 hertz. And from there, then we set an, a scale. Why is it A? Because one would, I might automatically think, why was it not middle C? Yeah, so it's interesting, actually, it was, um, uh, f for many years, if I'm uh, not mistaken, it was uh, the octave below middle C, mm. actually, that used to be the, um, the standard. Not to set, yeah. Yeah, but it's because of uh, something called inharmonicity, which might just take a little bit too long to explain and everything. But um, it is, uh, I, th I believe the reason was for choosing A was the fact that um, in that region of the piano, it is... Um, less affected by inharmonicity so it's the most stable pitch mm. but I'm, i i can be uh, corrected here you know so yes. knows better but um that's as far as i um i, I know about that yeah yes. so you actually then i mean obviously if a piano has been sitting for a really long time they, sometimes they get that wonky sound that you can automatically it is a c but it's not really a c um i'm just fascinated about what you're saying about the intervals and even just tuning it a tenth of a, a, a percentage and people won't hear it the question is will they hear it if now you're trying to play a chord 
So yes. so, some people do, yes. Mm. Because it doesn't have that in harmony ring. Yeah, it doesn't have the right type of sound or harmony to it, you know. So our job as a piano technician is to um, equally divide the so-called dissonance um, and spread it out over the piano so that there is not one note that sounds more dissonant than another, mm. so that everything sounds as harmonic as possible. Yes, yes. Uh, All right, let's quickly take a call. Selma in Riddipoet, hi. I just want to um, find out, I have a piano that my father bought for me when I was four years old because I showed supposedly promising because I could just you know, go to a piano and pick out a tune. Anyway, um, he paid me for lessons and I practiced years and years and years, uh, got to my grade seven uh, achievement and then he just decided for some reason, um, I think he realized he wouldn't be able to afford to send me to university and then change his mind and stop paying for my lessons. But anyway... This piano um, has also, it, it really needs new, new hammers because they've been used up. And one of my blooming cats some years ago got uh, <laughs> a mouse into the house to put into the green piano. And we didn't realize. And, uh, yeah, so a few of the notes have actually been, uh, um, hammers have been eaten up. It's a very sturdy piano. It's got a, a, a um, lovely, um, a, a thing, or something, bass, uh, you know, a backing. So it's never uh, contorted or anything, and I've always made sure it's kept at the, uh, uh, against an inside wall. My dad always said that if it's against an outside wall, the temperature change can affect it. So um, I heard that from uh, I was at a piano show um, where they you know just showed off you know new pianos and stuff, and I asked them offhand, look, um, an upright piano that needs that sort of stuff done to it, and a, a, a tune-up. Um, how much would that actually cost? And they said, oh, well, a new piano could easily cost 100000 but to fix it up, probably 10000 But that was a few years ago, so I just want to ballpark figure what all right. cost to get all the um, uh, hammers. Thank you done. so much uh, for that, Salma. We, we have run out of time. Gentlemen, for everybody, who, what are the estimates in terms of cost for fixing a piano, and how can people get in touch with you? Okay, it's very difficult to estimate a cost, but a tuning is probably just over a thousand rand plus, uh, and costs can go anywhere from about three, five, and depending on the work, up to twenty or twenty-five thousand. Or even more, depending on the extent of the work and the type of pianist you're dealing with. Yes. So you can contact us at thepianoman.coza. That's our website, or you can email us at info@thepianoman.coza, or you can ring zero one two zero two three. Zero seven zero two or zero seven four double one four two three double nine. Thank Th- you. Thank you so much. And of course, this will be available as a, po- a podcast. The masterclass on the piano with Raymond Gugnolio, owner of the Piano Man, and Odin Mayer.